Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Go to Ruth chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read from verse 14 through 16 in the NLT. God is good. I said God is good. Are we alive this morning? Come on. I believe that the preaching of the word is also important in our Sunday morning services for us to release the fullness of God. Ruth chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. We're going to read the NLT uh, because I really want to uh, continue what we had last week. Last week for Mother's Day, I started a series called Bringing Back the Revivalists, Biblical Revivalists and Reformers. And I'm taking uh, principles of characters of, of the Bible to, to illustrate and articulate something powerful, principles in our lives. Are you ready for the word this morning? How are you ready for the word this morning? Look at this, Ruth chapter 2, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm really going to f- uh, fly this morning on this, but there's a certain parts that I want you to see that I believe is going to be revolutionary for your walk with God. Take notes, look at Ruth chapter 2 verse 14. Now, you have to remember that this is, we learned last week that, that everything that happened to Ruth in her life was God working behind the scenes and was not an absent God. Can I hear an Amen. He wasn't absent. He wasn't mistaking because some things that happened to Ruth's life were like, how in the world can this be the plan of God for my life? What happened to Ruth? Last week we talked about in Ruth chapter 2 and 1, we realized that last week we saw in the book of Ruth that Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died. And then 10 years later, her sons that were married to Naomi and Orpah also died. They came from Moab and then hiked back to Bethlehem, Judah. Watch this, guys. And there began a, what I call, divine serendipity that would change Ruth and Naomi's life forever. I want to tell you something very powerful. It was pain and tragedy and not understanding the season that they were in that led them back to Bethlehem, Judah. And it was, the Bible says that it just so happened that as they're mourning and as they're going through things in life, that Ruth just so happened to go on the field that was owned by Boaz. We learned last week that Boaz is a type and shadow of the bridegroom God Jesus, and Ruth is a type and shadow of the bride of Christ. Now, why do I say this? Because there are certain things that happen in your life that you will swear to God and say, how can this be your plan for my life? How can all these deaths, how can all these, these hurt? But God was ever present in the, in behind the scenes. And I want you to see, this is where the story picks up, where now Ruth has already gone into the field. And you're going to see, this is very key, how obedience, even in the midst of pain and suffering, will get you the reward of God. Look at this. Look at me. Sometimes the first thing that goes out the window when we're suffering, when we have trials, when we have darkness in our life, is honoring God and honoring people. One of the first things that goes, that's tempted to go out the window is honoring God and honoring people when we're hurting and we, we don't understand the season we're in. How many of you have been in a season in your life where you under, don't understand the season that you're in? And you're wondering, how can this be the plan of God? Now watch this. Ruth chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz called Ruth. Come, I'm going to do this quick because I really want to get to the chapter 3, which is powerful. Come over here. Help yourself to some food. Look at the favor of God. 
You can dip in the bread and the sour wine. So she sat at his harvest, and sorry, with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some toasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back again, Boaz ordered, watch this now, Boaz, a type of shadow of the Lord Jesus, ordered his men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her. Look at this. I'm about to shout in a second. And pull out some heads of barley from the bundles. Look at this. Look at this. And drop them on purpose for her. Drop them not by mistake. This is key. He said, hey, privately, I want you to give her a little extra on purpose. She's going to think that it's just by happenstance, but I know and you know it's going to be on purpose. Uh, it's going to be on purpose that you drop a little extra for her because of all the things that she has gone through and has stayed obedient to the Lord, a Moabitess woman, and to people. Because of that, I'm honoring her. you got to pause and say this. Your obedience will release the reward from God. Don't ever think that, that rewards come just because we are, are, are bitter and we're, just, and we're just angry. No, God is a God of rewards, and he rewards your obedience. And sometimes obedience doesn't make sense because everything in you is screaming at that person that hurts you. Everything is screaming at that situation that you have no language for. But if you're just obedient, the Lord will drop things on purpose. I want to suggest to you today that even though the trials and the pain that you're going through and Ruth went through was, uh, uh, had a purpose and was on purpose, hear me now, if we respond biblically in times of great trial, then also the blessing, the favor, and the reward is on purpose too. Oh, come on. So Jesus, at bridegroom God, is, is using Boaz to, to go before her because she used to get the leftovers. But because she maintained discipline and obedience during her hard times. Hear me, church. What's the first thing that goes out the window when you're going through a hard time? Is your disciplines of prayer, your disciplines of the word of God. Because you're so hurt. But Boaz said, get, get, get them little, drop them there, drop them there. Whoop there, whoop there, whoop there. It is. <laughs> So I want to suggest to you that the reward that God is giving you is not just happenstance. God blesses obedience. And so he told, he told his, his reaper, his harvesters, drop a little on purpose. Oh, if I had more time, I would tell you that the Lord desires to release his favor. His, the word favor has had such a bad name because we label favor for, for, for some uh, hypersensitive gospel that we have all been wounded by. But there is real favor that God wants to release as he honors obedience. Do you know that obedience moves the heart of God? The Lord, the Lord loves when we're obedient. Without faith, it's impossible to please. And i got to look this up. I can't, I can't say this all the way. But when we were having these signs up, and I was, uh, uh, there's this uh, Hebrew Messianic person that was helping us put the signs up where it says the, the Remnant Christian Center. And he's like, this is amazing. How can you guys do this? I go, uh, it's, just, it's just faith. And he goes, and this is a guy who was a, who was a Jewish Christian man. And he goes, it's because of obedience. I said, yes, I, I know. He goes, no. In the book of Hebrews, in the Hebraic terminology, when it says without faith, it's impossible to please him. In the original Hebraic language, he was a Messianic Jew. He says, it could be read as this. Without obedience, it's impossible to please him. Because he said in one of the original Hebrew languages for the word faith has the connotation of pure execution of obedience. 
Pain has a way of stopping our obedience. Now look at chapter 3. This is where you're going to get happy. Ruth chapter 3, Naomi, now in this story, Naomi is a top and shadow of, of a spirit of counsel and of wisdom and of the Holy Spirit. Naomi told Ruth phrases and sentences to approach Boaz in order to, for her to reap the reward that God is going to give her. And it's all in verse 3. Now, because of time, I'm not going to share that much, but I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 3, verse uh, 1. We're going to go through verse 13, but I'm just going to just leave it there. Look at verse uh, 1 through 3 in the New King James, all right? Now, here's Ruth. I'm sorry, Naomi sees Ruth having favor with with Boaz. Now I want you to see this guys and I want you to see prophetically I'm going to give you five or six prophetic phrases that Naomi gave Ruth that is applied to our life to get favor from the Lord but not only that to enter into the fullness of what God has for us. Are you here? Now Ruth chapter 1 says this Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security from you, that it may be well with you? Verse 2. Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, Naomi's talking to Ruth, is, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing the barley tonight at the threshing floor. Oh, glory to God. Therefore, wash. Now, here's the key. This whole message is on verse 3. All right? Here's the instructions of Naomi to Ruth. Are you ready? And in these instructions, there's prophetic lessons for you and I. Wash yourself. Say, wash yourself. He says, she says, anoint yourself. Say, anoint yourself. Put on your best garment. This is key. This is instructions. And go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. Look at me for a second. I was going to go to verse 13 but we don't have time. This is an actual uh, approach from Ruth that seems very difficult because if you're looking at it with the naked eye, with the humanistic eye, you will think that Ruth, Naomi, was telling Ruth, a, a secret to be deceptive and lustful and, and try to sleep with Boaz. If you read it that way, you would think, what is Naomi trying to say here? Is she trying to get Ruth to uncover, uh, to, to go and, and lie down with him while he's, while he's eating and drinking? No. In the Jewish custom, when you sat at, at, at someone's feet it was a, or lied at someone's feet, it was a sign of respect and honor. The reason why Naomi wanted Ruth to go and give her these instructions is because she wanted her inheritance to be restored that was lost with her husband dying and she wanted redemption for her whole household. Let me tell you something. There's things that we, have to, that we are positioning ourselves in that we're about to see the salvation of the Lord in our lives if we continue. Now watch this. This is key. What did, Na what did Ruth have to risk, before I tell you the phrases, to get to a place of prominence and reward in her life? Number one, she had to risk... She let me just say it nicely. She had to get out of her comfort zone and realize that not to be uh, ruled by the opinions of people. Why do I say that? Because if you're like me, the, the thing that stops people from getting to that place of prominence in the Lord and their walk with God is caring what people think about them, caring about your reputation, and watch this, 
leave not being able to leave your comfort zone. I'm here to tell you, if you're not willing to leave your comfort zone, you may not be able to get the things that the Lord has for you. There's things that you have to step on faith. Why is this important? Because Ruth risked her reputation by going to Boaz at night. Ruth risked her reputation by saying, you know what, I'm going to go to a man that is holy and pure, and I'm going to uncover his feet. Are you and I willing to risk our reputation and, and get out of our comfort zone to be obedient to what God has called you and your family to do? Are we willing to, to release the gift of God that's in us, and since, we, since the day we were born, since before the foundations of the earth, through you, the identity that God has in Christ in you, are you willing to step out in faith? Now, why do I say this? Because in verse 3, there's about five phrases that I'm going to share with you that are be prophetic for you and I to get the fullness of what the Lord, I believe, has for his body as we press closer to the Lord. Are you ready? The first phrase that, that Naomi told Ruth, I want you to put that, that first slide up there, Zach. That first slide up there. Naomi gave Ruth specific instructions on how to, <laughs> okay, we'll go to that one then. Okay, we'll go to that one too. On how to approach Boaz that are prophetic phrases that carry powerful lessons for today. So the first one is, put that next slide up, wash yourself. Now, wa everybody say wash yourself. Come on, wash yourself. There's prophetic inclinations here in this verse about washing yourself. That does not mean, I want to be very clear, washing yourself does not mean doing good works for you to get saved does not mean that. Washing yourself is not uh, cleansing yourself from sin because only Jesus could do that, and that's called justification. He's not talking about that prophetically. When Naomi told Ruth, wash yourself, you know what he was saying? He said, wash yourself, in other words, a lifestyle of holiness and consecration that, that I want you to walk in so that you could receive the, 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 the instructions of the Lord and be fruitful in your life. You know that it's still possible for us to walk and have a desire for holiness? Jesus already did it on the cross. Put that next slide up there as I say it. Holiness and consecration is symbolic of washing yourself be because it's also washing your mind. It's also renewing your mind. Why? Because the Bible says, that the Bible says in Ephesians that the, the typology of marriage is the typology of the body of Christ. He says this. Look at this. He says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church that he might what? That he might what? Sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. Washing yourself in 2018 is having the burden and the desire of getting into the word of God on a daily basis so that you and I could be intentional of renewing our mind. Oh, come on. It's, it's intentional of consecration. It's intentional of, of washing ourselves with the word. But that phrase, wash yourself, also speaks of something very important to the body of Christ. It's washing not only with the word, but we need to wash ourselves from our past. To some of us, is our recent past. To some of us, is our distant past. And I'm here to tell you, if you're not willing to let go of the experiences of yesterday, you will never be able to receive what God has for you today. 
Washing yourself has to be, speaks of being intentional, of knowing what the Lord has done. You see, that, that's the problem with the body of Christ. We have an identity crisis. We don't know what God has already done in us so that we look through our past as Lot wife, Lot's wife and she became salt. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us from the wounds of our past. Some of you, the past means three days ago or five days ago or a week ago. But you, you, here's what the, the Lord saying prophetically from Naomi to Ruth to us. Washing yourself is not only living a life of consecration, of holiness, but allowing the Lord to wash you from your past so that you could receive all that God has for you now. Why? Because God already did it. Your identity is in him. But what happens is when we remember our past we were, and, and we start stifling our future, we forget who we are. We forget who we are when we start allowing the past to dictate our future and to dictate our calling. There's many people that are wounded in the past and they do not progress in the future because they're so wounded that they don't know how to progress in the future. So washing yourself is a prophetic sign to say, you know what? Body of Christ, in order for you to really get what Boaz has for you right now, make sure that you receive what he already did. Washing you from your past. He says, she said, wash yourself. She says, wash yourself. Then she says this, oh, I love this. She says, the second phrase she said was, anoint yourself. Now, she says, Ruth, now think about these specific instructions. She said, Ruth. Not only do you wash yourself, but you need to anoint yourself. All this was before she goes to Boaz. She goes, I want you to anoint yourself. Watch this. You know, oh, I'm going to shout for a little bit. You know what anointing yourself is symbolic of prophetically? Cultivating the oil of the presence of God for you to be intentional, to draw near to God every day of your life so that you could cultivate the oil of the presence of God in your life. Come on, say amen. The problem with the body of Christ is that we want the presence of God without cultivating time to get the oil. Anointing is symbolic of oil. So when she says anoint yourself, what she's saying is get into the secret place every day and get fresh oil. Not old oil. The body of Christ in America for the most part is operating on old oil. Instead of fresh oil, she says, anoint yourself freshly. He, she, you, you have to understand that sometimes it's not just old oil. Are you ready for this? Sometimes the body of Christ is operating on somebody else's oil. We're trying to get the joy off of somebody else's ministry. We're trying to get the presence of God and the oil of God from going from podcast to podcast, from conference to conference. Come on, come on. And, and what we're doing is we're operating not just on old oil. We're trying to operate on somebody else's oil that paid that price to get the oil on their life. And I'm here to tell you, even though God will use those in trickling moments of your life, you can never get the fullness of God on somebody else's oil. You've got to cultivate the oil of joy, the oil of the presence of God yourself through the presence of God, through the word of God. And go to the one who pours the oil, not the one who has it that's gotten from, some, from the Lord himself. David knew the secret. He connotated and related and symbolized the, the degree of his victory, watch this, over the enemy to the symbolism of having fresh oil. I'm going to say that. That's so powerful. The enemy of your soul cannot be defeated on old oil. Look at, look at I'm, I'm glad you said amen to that. 
Look at Psalm 92. Look at verse 9. Psalm 92, verse 9. Look at this. For behold your enemies. Say, say enemies. Your enemies, for, O Lord, for behold your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Look how the next verse, he's talking about enemies. And the next verse, what he says is needed to overcome the enemy. But my horn, has, you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. I have been anointed with fresh oil. He talks about overcoming the enemy in the verse before. Then he talks about the need for fresh oil. And if you continue on your private time in verse 11, he talks about enemies again. So verse 9, he talks about enemies. Verse 10, he talks about oil. Verse 11, he talks about enemies. What's the, what's the, what's the in-between? Fresh oil. You can't go from here to Atlanta on, on an empty tank of oil. You can have the best car, but you will never get anywhere. Here is what I'm trying to challenge you. When Naomi told Ruth, anoint yourself, what she was saying is get into a place prophetically where you are about to approach Boaz with fresh oil. Because the fragrance of that fresh oil is going to be pleasing to him. You know how that fresh oil comes? Through intimacy with God. You know what the Bible says in the book of James? The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Yes, he's an initiator. Yes, he's greater than our weakness. But there is still a principle that says if you want more of God, draw near to him. You know how you get more of God too? Less of yourself. I must decrease and you must increase. How many in the body of Christ are struggling because they don't have fresh oil in their lives? Do you know that it's our job to cultivate that oil? It's not your pastor's job. It's not your leader's job. It's not even your spouse's job. It's your job. A lot of us are workers, but we're not good at loving, uh, uh, pursuing lo loving, loving uh, oil with the Lord. If we get our identity by just working, we will always be frustrated. Frustrated. Trust me. You will be, ministry will be frustrating to you if you don't have oil. The very thing that you're praying for will be frustrating to you if you don't have oil. I know friends of mine that they're great people and they love God, but they just didn't check the oil in their tank and they kept running and running. Come on. They kept running and running and running. All of a sudden, in the middle of the highway, they, their car breaks down and then they have a temptation to blame their, their God and blame whatever's happening. But you just check your oil, baby. If you check your oil, you realize you need an oil change. Naomi says, anoint yourself. Watch this. The third thing that Naomi said, you know what she said? She goes, wash yourself, anoint yourself. Oh, I'm going to preach now on this one. Put on your best garment. Put on your best garment. What are garments symbolic of in the Bible? You're going to be happy. If you're not, I'm going to be happy for you. Garments in the Bible are representing identity and reputation. Whenever there was a, a garment placed on somebody, it spoke of who they are. In other words, in, in other words, rabbis were recognized and identified as rabbis by the garments that they wore. You were, you were able to see a rabbi and spot a rabbi and said, he's a rabbi, not because you're smart, because you saw garments on them. And those garments named them. 
Those garments identified them. Those garments were, were reputation. Watch this. When you see a priest, when you saw a priest in the Old Testament, priests had a very significant garment. It speaks of identity. Watch, watch, watch. Priests, especially high priests, have specific garments that identify them. Even kings had different garments that represent their authority. Why do I say this? Because garments are also symbolic of what has been placed on you by God, but it's also symbolic what has been placed on you by others and by the enemy. And because you've allowed other people to name you, you've taken on their garments, and oh, and garments are spiritual and emotional, emotionally prophetic of things that have been placed on you. So it's not just who places stuff on you, it's what has been placed on you by others. And what, watch this, look at me. One of the greatest things that the enemy uses to put garments on people are words. Every time someone speaks a word to you, every time someone speaks a negative word that threatens the identity of God, and if you don't know who you are in Christ, you will take on and embrace those words, and those words become spiritual cloaks that identify you. Those words like you're dumb, you're stupid, you're never going to make it, and you take on that, that cloak and you take on that, that nature. Oh, God, if you realize that the Lord is saying through Naomi, put on your best garment, what she's saying is learn how to receive the identity that God has for you and shake off the other garments that have been put on you by people, by words, by, other, by, by your spouse, by situations, and it's time for a spiritual wardrobe change. Go into the closet because God already has the things that he's already told you you could be. You just have to go into the closet and put it on. Do you know that the Bible says you could actually put on the Lord Jesus Christ? The, the Bible says that, that Jesus, in, in, in a sense, is a garment of identity. Look at what the Bible says in, in Corinthians, I mean in Romans. Look at what it says. In Romans 13, I need the worship team to come up here. Oh, God. Are you getting something this morning? Romans 13, look at this. Ro Romans 13, I need the worship team up here. Verse 12 through 14, look at what Romans 13 says. It says, the night is far spent. Look at the screen. The day is at hand. Look at this. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in, in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, watch this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Wait, 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 wait. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. You say, well, hold, well, gee, well, well, Pastor George, we already got the Lord in us. Yes, you got, a, you got the Holy Spirit in us. Yes. Paul was not just talking about uh, putting Christ on like on an outer exterior. It's being clothed with his knowledge and his presence. That's what he's talking about. He said every day you and I have an opportunity to either be clothed by the garments of what people say about you, what the enemy says about you, and it identifies you, or you can be clothed with the fullness of God. Listen, you know what the Lord showed me? The Lord showed me, come, come, here, come here, come here, Pastor Donnie, come here. Come here, Sean, come here. Come, come up here, come up here. Oh, glory to God. They didn't know, come here, uh, Lewis. They didn't know I was going to, so, so do this. Get right here and do the same thing. 
And Sean, I love you, man. Sorry to put you on the spot. You guys are all, like, more muscular than me. What's up with that? Sean's like. <laughs> He's trying to be humble. It's all right. He's got to wash himself and anoint himself. So, so you know what the Lord showed me? The Lord showed me something about identity when it comes to this. The Lord says, all you have to do is go in my closet, and everything in my closet is already yours. You just don't know you have it. Could you imagine if sitting in your closet you have Armani suits and all these things, and you do not want to, to wear it because, A, you think it doesn't fit you. You know why you think it doesn't fit you? Because you believe that other garments have identified you. You've believed that other garments have identified you. You've become an orphan in the spirit and not realize you're a son and you're a daughter. And in the closet, there's suits. Go ahead and wrap up. Wrap. There's suits of holiness and, and humility. There's suits of joy that he wants you to try on. There's suits of, <laughs> there's suits of listen, there's, there's suits of peace. But all this right here has always been in your wardrobe. All these, all these, all the, the things in the spiritual closet, all the garments in the spiritual closet has always, always been in your spiritual wardrobe. You just don't have the knowledge or the freedom to access them anytime. I'm here to tell you, if you're born again this morning, if you're blood washed this morning, if you're a child of God, then you have access to the robe. And you know what you have to do sometimes? Sometimes in order to fit into these things you got to take off the old garments. Because I don't know about you, if I try to put one suit on, it's pretty good. But if I have, if I try to put these suits on with like two or three other suits that I already have on me, it ain't going to fit. I know I'm pretty fit, but it's not going to fit. That was a joke. I'm like, no, you're not. What happens is in order for you to access this, you got, and I, I'm not trying to be funny, in order for you to get any garment on, you have to take the old ones off. Can I say something to you? This morning you got up and you put your old garments away and you put new garments on. Spiritually speaking, God has already given you the closet. Just walk in the closet and put it on. Come on, say amen. Thank you, guys. Come on, give them a big hand as they go down. Thank you. So, so words become emotional and spiritual garments that have been placed on you by the enemy. And this is what Naomi told Ruth to put on her best garment. And even going back to the oil, the, the, the previous thing, one of the things that I forgot to say is this. Do you know that the, the, the Bible says that there was ten virgins, five wise, five, uh, five, five foolish? He called five foolish not because he didn't love them. By the way, pe preachers have preached for years that that story of the ten virgins has to do with, with uh, sinners and, and, and Christians. It's about the body of Christ, because he's talking about ten virgins, pure, they're all pure. Five were foolish, not, please hear me, not because God did not like them or God didn't love them. He called them foolish because they did not have any oil in their lamps. Look at this. And because they didn't have any oil in their lamps, look at me, zoom in. They had no fire in their lamps. The reason why the fire runs out in people's life is because they have no time to cultivate the oil to birth fire in their lamps. He called the wise virgins not wise because they did more. 
Not wise because they led more people to the Lord. Not wise because they volunteered more. Not wise because they served more. He called them wise because in the midnight hour, they had enough oil cultivated that when they needed light, fire was on them. You want fire back in your life? Cultivate the oil. Stop. You know what the Bible says just came to me right now? Even the, Jesus said over 2,000 years ago that the five foolish ones tried to live off somebody else's oil. The five foolish ones said, hey, give me your oil. Hey, Donnie, I, I, I haven't spent time with the Lord. You know, I see you're full of God. Can I have your oil? It's impossible. Even 2,000 years ago, before all this technology, the five foolish virgins tried to, to save themselves by saying, give me your oil. Guys, I'm here to tell you lovingly, you will, you will be depressed and frustrated if you don't get your own oil. Stop trying to get it from the next anointed preacher. Stop trying to get it from the next anointed worshiper. Stop trying to get it from the next anointed podcast. Yes, praise God. Go, go ahead and, and get that podcast. But sit down and get some oil. Let me tell you something. I texted my friend Joel Stockstill. Those of you who know Joel Stockstill, you remember? I texted him the other day because these, these songs were burning in my heart. These old songs from Bethany when we used to, that I used to take uh, the youth to, to, to Louisiana. And there was this one song that was just burning in my heart. It was, Holy Spirit, show your glory. Demonstrate your power. And I'm like, I can't find that anywhere. I can't find that anywhere. I was, I was looking at iTunes, nothing. I was looking at Amazon, nothing. And there was a, it was a song that Jonathan Stockstill used to sing back in 2002. He said, let your glory fill this house. Let your praises fill my heart. And I'm like, I, I, I need that. My spirit was yearning for that. Oh, let me give you a little key to tapping into the oil. Pay attention to what your heart is yearning for. If it's old Hosanna songs, baby, if it takes you to the glory, go ahead and put that tape, that's right, tape, or CD on. If, it, if, it, if it's an old Al Green uh, tape or CD, if it's Fred Hammond, whatever gets you, if it's Misty Edwards, whatever gets you that, take it. So I texted him, I said, bro, I, I, my spirit is yearning for these songs. Holy Spirit, show your glory. And I'm like, I, could, I was singing it, but I'm like, I need, I need to tap in. So he goes, he sends me a link. He goes, they're all on YouTube. I hear it all the time. I'm like, but, but, but is it like downloadable? He goes, no, they're out of print, whatever. So I, I, I play, made a playlist on YouTube. That's like old-fashioned. Old I played a playlist, and I put all Jonathan Stockton's old song, and I put my Bluetooth on. Guys, I'm telling you, and I just heard, Holy Spirit, show your glory. And I lifted up my hand, and the presence of God filled my house. We need revival. See, you don't even know nothing about this. Moved by your spirit. He's in the wrong tune. It's all right, wrong tune. I spent about an hour. I had my notes, and I stepped it down. Why? You know what I was after? My heart was yearning for something more. I wanted oil, and I was digging. And sometimes you got to get back to those things. Whatever, even if it's one of those old Spanish songs, even if it's one of those hymns. So some of you, it's one of those hymns. I exalt thee, for thou, O Lord, are high above all the earth. And you put that and you feel the presence of God, keep on milking that thing. Because that's what you need. Put on your good garments. Now watch, this is the last part. And I'm going to close. This is where I felt the presence of God come strong on me in my studies. The last phrase. She said, go ahead, get fresh oil, anoint yourself, wash yourself, put on your best garments, go to the threshing floor. And then she says this. She says, Go on the next slide, that last slide, Darius. 
No, before that. Before that. He says, do not make yourself known to Boaz until. You know that's symbolic of the lost art of waiting on God. It says, do not make yourself known. In other words, learn how to wait upon the Lord. I think that the body of Christ has been so busy rushing what they want that they've lost the art of waiting on God. But it's in the waiting that you're going to get the provision. It's in the waiting that you're going to see the breakthrough come in. Why? Because waiting is the hardest part. You know what Philippians 1, 6, 6 says? It says, Paul says, in this very thing I am confident that he who began a good work in you shall complete it into the day of Jesus. Just because there's silence in your life does not mean that God just bumped his head and stopped working. Just because there's a season of silence in your life, what the Lord is actually saying in the season of silence is learn how to wait on the Lord. Learn how to be, be, be watch this, the key to seeing God move and the, see, and the key to knowing God is still the same thing. Be still. Wait and know that I'm God. Watch this. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Say wait on God. Sometimes we rush so much that we become experts at helping God out. Nobody likes to wait for the promises of God. Nobody likes to wait for a breakthrough because we want it now. We are a microwave generation. And God forbid if there's a waiting season, then all our faith gets tossed out the window because we don't understand that in the season of waiting, yes, there's frustration. Yes, there's turmoil. Yes, your spirit is going like this. But God is producing something in the waiting. In the waiting, there's grace, and in there's waiting, there is strength. But we've become experts at, at helping God out. Yes, I know that some of you have waited for a long time. Yes, I know that some of you have waited for salvation for your family a long time. Yes, I know that some of you have waited for financial breakthrough for a long time. But I'm going to close you with two scriptures. That I, and, and the last scripture is what I felt the presence of God, and I felt this was for somebody. I don't know what you're going through, but I sense the Lord wants to tell you it's okay to wait. Don't be so busy that you want something right away that you skip the waiting process. Naomi told Ruth, don't go right away. I know. Now watch. You know the purpose of Naomi going to, telling Ruth to go that? Because I want him to make sure that he recognized that, that he wants to redeem us. And the Old Testament, the way that you redeem somebody is that you not only buy their property, but you also marry the person. Oh, you didn't get that. Jesus said something so powerful in the waiting. Some of you are waiting for your spouse. Some of you are waiting for your friends. Some of you are waiting for your son to get right. Wait on the Lord until Boaz speaks. Look at what it says real quick in the last two verses here. Hebrews chapter 6, real quick. Verse 11 through 15. I'm going to encourage you today. And then I'm going to end with Habakkuk. Habakkuk, however you say it. Go with me, Hebrews 6, 11. We desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not...
not become sluggish, but imitate those who what? Through faith and what? Come on, say patience. But Lord, I want it right now. I've been waiting for five years. You know, if we're not careful, God wants to give us Isaac, but we will birth Ishmael. Guess who birthed Ishmael? Abraham, a righteous man. It wasn't this uh, guy who, like, just got saved yesterday. It was the, the, ha- the, grand- the father of faith. He, di- he didn't want to wait on the promise of God. So he said, I'll help God out. And he produced Ishmael. But God says, no, Isaac is the one that I want. And that's not until 25 years from now. But we don't like to hear that. Now, I'm not saying that's for all of you. I'm just saying there's a principle that we've lost in the body of Christ. I believe we've lost the art of waiting. He says, imitate those of faith and patience inherit the promise. I want you to turn to Habakkuk and then we're going to close. Is it Habakkuk or Habakkuk? Habakkuk. Chapter 2. This is for somebody. Verse 1 through 3 in the NLT. I want you to turn there. It's going to be up on your screen. Look at this. This is powerful. Naomi told Ruth, don't make yourself known. Look at me for a second. If you're a lot like me, you're trying to, I remember when I used to, when there was a prophet who used to come in the old days, I used to squirm so the prophet could see me, try to help God out. I would wear like a bright red shirt, like I know he's going to see me now. And I remember like wearing this bright shirt, I knew a prophet was in town, so I'd be like, oh. I wanted him to see me. I remember one time a prophet came years ago. It was one of those old time prophets that like would like call people out. And I needed a word. It was in the late 90s. And I kept trying to draw attention to myself and no word. I mean, everybody. He's like, and, he, and I thought he was looking at me. He's like, could you stand up? I was like, hmm. He's like, no, the, the person behind you. I'm like, oh. Everybody got a word that day except me. You know why? For years I'm like, why is that happening? He says, because... I have already given you what I need to give you, and I don't need to give you a word. You know what I need to do. You're maturing me, and I want you to walk by faith. But later down the road, when I wasn't expecting it, two years ago, I got prophetic words that smacked me in my gut and birthed destiny and birthed RCC. But I wasn't looking for it. You know why? Can I just be very honest with you? I paid my dues. I launched out when I was 44 years old, and I had no desire to start a church. But God says, now now your time. Just like it is now with Pastor Donnie and Stephanie, who've been 10 years in the making in the form of the fire. And now, when you're pregnant, you can't hide it for long. After a while, you're like, hey, you look like six months pregnant, bro, or sis, (laughs) in the natural. But you know what? You could put coverings all you want, but eventually he's going to show Now, this next scripture is for some of you. I felt the presence of God come strong on me when I was worshiping, and this is for you. Some of you are believing God for something. Look at Habakkuk and the NLT. I will climb up to the watchtower, and I will watch and stand at the guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says. I will wait and see what the Lord says. Hear me. And how he will answer my complaint. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to me, write the answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Look at this. 
I want you to see this. I felt this is for somebody praying for something. Somebody in here, or more than one person, is praying for something specific. Look at this. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. Are you ready for this? If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit again. It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I'm going to say that again. If it seems like it's slow in coming, wait for it. Be patient. That salvation that you're looking for, that spouse that you're looking for, that ministry that you're looking for, that ministry that you're looking for, that assignment that you're looking for, that answer that you're looking for, if it seems slow in coming, the Lord wants to encourage you. He has not forgotten about your promises. He has not forgotten what you've cried out for in tears, even while you've been faithful to the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. While you've been on your knees crying, would you change that person? Would you invade my life? When is it my turn, God? I see everybody else getting theirs, but when is it my turn? God says, if it seems slow in coming, be patient, for it will surely come to pass. In when I was in my prayer, when I read that line, the presence of God came on me and he said to me, and whenever that happens to me, he tells me there's people that are going to need that I, to know that what they've been praying for, I have not forgotten. It's slow, but it's going to come to pass. And I feel led to right now have everyone stand up. I want everyone to stand up. Some business deals are about to get a breakthrough. Some family situations and friendship situations are about to get the answer. The Lord says, if it seems slow, you've actually said that to the Lord. Lord, this is taking a long time. I feel the Lord is releasing grace right now for something that you have been praying for, hear me now, for a long time. This is a specific thing. Naomi told Ruth, the final thing that you will do before you get Boaz to get favor on you, yes, wash yourself, yes, change your, your, your garments, yes, get that oil, but the last thing is I need you to not make yourself known. Don't try to help God out. Some of you in your desperation and in your frustration and in your hurt, you are trying to make it happen, and God says, don't make it happen. I hear your cry, though it comes slow. It will come to pass. There's a promise that I want to release to you today. That business idea that you had, that family person that you're praying for, that re reconciliation that you want, that breakthrough that you're asking for, was, is slow, but the Lord sent me this morning to tell you it's going to happen. And in the process of waiting, He's developing strength in you. He's developing character in you. He's developing trust in you. I want you to close your eyes and lift up your hands. I feel the Holy Spirit. Come on, listen, all the musicians, I want you to raise your voice right now. I want you to, we're going to get into the song. I just want to, I'm going to pray grace, and I'm going to dismiss you to get some ice cream. But I, I really feel the weightiness of the Lord, especially on those who are waiting for a long time for something. The Lord wants to encourage you. This is for you. I'm calling you out by name. 
Though it seems slow, I'm telling you, daughter, I'm telling you, son, I have not forgotten about you. I want you to release right now your hands up in the Lord. And I want you to have renewed hope in the waiting. In the waiting is hard. In the waiting is difficult. In the waiting, our flesh wants to go scream. But it's in the waiting that we develop trust, that we develop dependence on God. Come on, come on, come on. Every one of us. Come on, lift up your hands. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.